Good morning, Waypoint. Uh, great plans have changed. We are having trouble with Facebook Live, so we changed our plan. We're now recording this around 9 o'clock. We'll upload it so that you can see a live service, and we'll get it on that way. But we're sorry for the small delay. Just a few things that you should know uh, currently, right now, uh, if we haven't canceled it publicly, we're still planning to do it. Now, that may change. Some things are still fluid, and we're trying to keep our eyes on things. So at this point, we're still doing youth group. We'll decide on that a little bit later. I know that things have changed with school. We'll communicate with you if that's the case. Our daycare is going to stay open. So if you've been wondering about that, we're going to continue to serve as many families as we can there. So there's a lot of stuff going on. We're still planning on going to the IF gathering. If that changes, we'll communicate with you. So we've, we've canceled a few things. We know we're not going to do our open house on the 21st. And there are other things that will be adjusted. We'll do our best to bring you up to speed as often as we can. Uh, I know you're not going to stand at home and greet each other since that would be weird. But why don't we just start with worship. And I hope you'll be into it uh, and really maybe even sing along. Here we go. Oh, oh, oh. 
this morning is that we know that you're here. It doesn't matter where we are this morning. It doesn't matter what circumstances are happening. We know that you are here. Your Holy Spirit is with us. And we are just waiting to be filled by it. In a season of unknown, in a season of commotion, we approach you and we pray to you again, be with us. We love you, Father. And it doesn't matter where you are, you can say this as loud as you can. Amen. Well, friends, this morning we find ourselves in a very unique atmosphere, and honestly, I'm really stoked about it. Um, you are missed, but we love you, and thank you for welcoming us into your home, whether you're watching this in a tablet, a phone, wherever you are, um, we hope that you can really engage. With the heart of darkness, going to blows with your fear of incarnate. You're never gone until they stripped away. A part of you has gotta die to change. In the morning, gonna need an answer. Ain't nobody gonna change the standard. It's not enough to just feel the flame. You gotta bring your old self away. Hold on tight.
So Luis, I want you to stay here for a second if you would. I imagine uh, you've been getting contacted by a lot of people who are trying to communicate with you and all of it's coronavirus late related, right? So they're talking to you about uh, the schools are talking to you, um, businesses are talking to you, schools, you know, everybody's trying to communicate with you. But the most bizarre communication I've heard so far involves Luis. Um, Luis got an email that he opened that said, Dear Valued Customer, and it was from McDonald's. And what I want to know is how often do you eat at McDonald's to be a dear valued customer of them? Yeah, that is messed up. So somebody will need to start praying for him and helping him figure out what that's all about because that's just terrible. Okay. Uh, thanks. You can, you can go. Please don't eat at McDonald's. All right. We are uh, in a series called Chasing Unity, and you just heard them sing a song about um, how this is hard, that you're going to have to get back up and, um, and work at this sort of thing, and I think that's true. Uh, I, I think there's some irony in this moment, I, it hasn't been lost to me anyway, that we're having a conversation about unity at a time when we can't be together. That... Um, Kind of a mystery to me, but it wasn't a mystery to God. We set these things like in advance. We plan on them. And uh, it's, I think it's uh, pretty cool that for whatever reason, uh, God thinks it was valuable and important for us in this season to be having this conversation. And so for me, I just want to acknowledge that. I want to kind of tap in to that kind of wisdom, that kind of sense of peace that, um, that God had about this situation. He's no, he knows what's going on. And so I want to start with prayer. So I asked if you would, would you pray with me before we get going? Uh, God, we're, we're in a series about community and we're not together. It's weird. But it did not take you by surprise. In fact, nothing that's unfolded in the last week, the last two weeks, the last month has taken you by surprise. And uh, you become a source that if we would tap into, we could find peace. We could find a sense of reassurance. And I just ask that we would do that, knowing that although our plans might be changing, our plans changed this morning. They got thrown to the wind. That was not a surprise to you. And we can take comfort in knowing that we are connected, that we are in love, and that you love us, and you've got this. So I ask that you would bring peace to our hearts and our minds, that you would help us focus. There is something that you want to communicate today to um, people who are sitting, listening, engaging in their homes. So I just ask that whatever that is, the Holy Spirit would be at work because we are gathered. We're, we might not be together, but we're gathered in your name, and we ask that your spirit would be present here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the song talked about uh, hard work, and we've been suggesting that through this whole series that unity requires hard work. And without a shadow of a doubt, uh, that's going to continue as we talk. Uh, we started and we said, look, um, I just want to remind you where we kind of got from. We looked in Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul started talking about the value of being united as a group together. And so uh, then he's kind of in the middle of chapter 5 starts talking about marriage and it seems like it's kind of out of left field except 
Paul started to use that example of marriage as a picture. This is a healthy picture of a marriage. And there's some crossover ideas that you could use as a healthy picture for what it means for us to be united as a church. And that's what we've been concentrating on. So week one, we looked at some general ideas. Then last week, we got specific. We said, hey, there's respect that has to happen in a relationship, and it has to happen in the church. And it was a crossover idea. And today, we're going to look at another one. We're going to get very specific about something that needs to show up in the relationships, that needs to cross over and show up in church. And here's the thing. I was worried, even if you were coming here and you were all be sitting in this auditorium, I was worried that you might check out when I told you what the topic was. Because there is such familiarity with this, and I think our culture looks at this as something that we should just have naturally. It should just be there. In fact, this is part of the problem in relationships. People assume it should just show up. And when they don't find it in their relationships, they sometimes back away. They sometimes leave their relationship altogether because this is so vital, it's so critical. And when it's not there, they know something's wrong and it's not they're right. It's vital. It has to be there. But I want to suggest to you this morning that it's that misunderstanding that it should be natural and easy and simple that causes a lot of problems. Like everything else we're going to look at, this requires work on our part. Okay? So as I introduce this to you, don't, don't click away. Don't shut your brain off. I want you to stay here with me because I think there's some stuff that we need to figure out about this idea. So I want to I talk to you. It's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Paul says this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In verse 33. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. I want to talk to you about love. Now here's what's uh, kind of fascinating. The, the Hebrews and the Greeks... Both of them had multiple words for love. They knew it was complex. They knew it was layered. They had nuances that they were trying to communicate. And so they would use different words. But every English translation you go and read, we have one word. And we flatten out all of those nuances. So when you read and it says love, we think of it in terms of our culture. But they were trying to communicate something different. So I would say when you read in the scriptures and you see the word love, it would be wise each and every time for you to go and figure out which nuance are they talking about. In this section of scripture right here, they're trying to communicate by using a word agape. And it's obvious that love's important. Because you can see the images that it was attached to. It said, I want you to love like the church, like Christ loved the church, I want you to love like you love yourself. Agape is the deepest form of love that's communicated by the Greeks. It was the selfless thing where you valued somebody as much as you valued yourself, where you would sacrifice for somebody else. And you had this picture being kind of painted here, and they used that word intentionally. This is the kind of work that would show up with how you Love a spouse, it's why Paul uses it and says, hey, I want you to love your wife this way, agape. I want you to sacrifice. I want you to value her like you value yourself. But this shows up with brothers and family members. This shows up with close friends. This is a kind of love 
that that song was talking about. This is hard love, where you seek to love another person, but because it's difficult, you're probably going to have to pick yourself up and find a way to work at it, to work at it, to work at it. Now, here's the thing. Um, Like respect last week, we talked about respect, and we said, we're told to respect, but we're not told how. And in this case, we're told to love, and the pictures are a little bit better. We're told, hey, you're to love like Christ loves the church. That's a helpful picture. And to love like you would love yourself. But still, how? It's left out. And much like respect, in this section of Scripture, I've heard it talked about a lot of times. People have said, well, respect is for the ladies and love is for the guys. And so it becomes kind of a gender kind of topic that gets discussed. And I want to take that off the table too. In fact, I want to read you um, a verse that is so odd. It goes against the way we think about love in our culture. Because we think it should just be some natural thing that flows out of us. But this is in Titus chapter 2. And this is what it says. It says, then... They, who's they? Older women. So this is encouraging older women to mentor or to help teach younger women. It says, then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children. Why would you have to urge anybody to love their husband and children? Why would that have to be something that you would have to work at? In our culture, we just think it's natural and it comes out of you. But over and over again, we see different things that come out in the text that make it clear that this is something that you have to work at. This is something that you have to grow. And here's the truth. When it comes to relationships, if you're not working at love in the relationship, love will fade. It's, ju- it's just the process that unfolds. And when that happens, when that fading kind of thing happens, it becomes disastrous for a lot of people because they're convinced it should just automatically be there. But I believe that it happens in the church too. That if you're not working at love in the church, it fades. And it has disastrous results on the church too. Let me help you understand just how important and valuable this is for both. So we just looked at how... Um, Paul said, this has to be a part of marriage, but I want you to hear how love is valued by us as a group of people who are coming together to be a church. Listen to this. This is John chapter 13, verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And the opposite is true. Like if you decide not to work at love and it fades they'll know something's missing as well. And so this becomes really important for us to understand. We want to figure out how. How do I find a way to have love? And we're going to talk about marriage first. We're going to try and develop that picture. And then we're going to cross it over into the church. So when I first got married, uh, I heard this question from my wife quite a lot. She would come to me and she would say, Blair, do you love me? Right? And it was a little baffling to me because I think at first I said, yeah, we're married. Right? I I think there's plenty of evidence that I love you because I'm married to you. I'm like, like, I'm not doing that with anybody else. You're the one. There's, that's all you need to know. I love you. But she would ask over and over again. Now, as it turned out, 
a couple years later, she started to ask a second question that was even more confusing than the first. And I started to think, maybe I need to get logic counseling for my wife because this is just not making sense to me. She would come and say, do you love me? And I would say, yes, of course I love you. And then she would say, do you like me? And I said, what just happened here? Like, I'm up here. I'm, I'm way up here. I'm past like. Like, I think I've showed you that I love you. If I'm here, you're kind of backing all the way down and picking up this idea here, and you're saying, do you like me? I'm way past that. And she said, no, they're different. I want to know if you love me and if you like me. And I would, I would get so frustrated, I would say to her, yeah, I like you. Which in retrospect, maybe I didn't say that in a way that was really comforting or reassuring to her. So you might be thinking, Blair, has it been hard for you to live such a clueless life? And I would like to say yes, it's been pretty hard for me to be this clueless at times because I just did not get it. It was only years later when I learned something about love that changed how I heard those two things being asked of me. And here's the truth. People do not express and feel love in the same ways. They don't show their love to each other in the same ways, and they don't accept love from people in the same way. And so what was happening was I was expressing love to my wife, but it wasn't the way that she felt loved. And so she would come and ask me, do you love me? Because she was looking for some reassurance because she wasn't seeing it in my actions. I thought I was. I thought I was being loving. I thought I was being kind. But I wasn't. Uh, many of you have heard the conversation about love languages. That people have a different way of accepting or understanding love. And I think a lot of people have heard that before. But they don't keep it front and center in their relationship. And I think you have to because it has to be this thing that you work at all the time. My wife and I are opposites when it comes to our love languages. The way I feel loved from her, I'm looking for a certain type of expression. The way she feels love for me, she's looking for something different. And the way we express love, misses. We would just miss each other. And so um, we actually had to figure out what it took for me to understand what her love language was, and then for me to do practical things that would actually communicate that love to her. And so I started doing, I started changing stuff, and that's when the light went off, right? That's when the light went off. Because I was missing a way to express my love for her, she was even going further and saying, I'm not sure if you love me, I'm not even convinced that you like me. Because I know you're committed to me, but I'm not seeing actions that communicate love. And all that was happening was that I didn't understand what she needed. She didn't understand what I needed. And we were communicating past each other. So it was causing real disruption in the relationship. Now, um, I'm convinced that this kind of stuff happens for all of us. And it does require work. It required work for me to adjust how I would act or respond to my wife. It required her to adjust. She would come to me and say, I did the laundry, I did the dishes, I did all of this stuff. And I said, that's awesome, I would do that. 
I would do that too. I don't care about that stuff. This is what I care about instead. And then we had to work, work at figuring out how we would relate to each other. And so this, this understanding that we're different, that we see love differently, is going to end up coloring both pictures, but it's really big in marriage. Now there's a second thing that researchers have found as well about marriage. They've been studying it for a long time. And when they're looking at ways to grow love, by the way, if you figure out that each other has different ways of expressing and showing love and you meet that with each other, you're growing love. You can actually grow that in your relationship. You can make it more than what you've had the day before and the day after that. You can make that happen. And this thing, this other thing that they found can do the same thing. It actually grows Love, it expands it. They use this simple word, fondness. It's about finding things about the other person that you like. I mean, when I heard that, I thought, oh my word, that is my wife's second question, right? She is simply asking about a layer of love in the relationship. I want to know if you've identified things in me that you find of value. Do you care about me? Can you express that at all? And what the researchers have found is if somebody can find something in the relationship that they're fond of the other person and they focus on that, they can grow love. In fact, what they found is that if you do that as a practice way of living, that when you have an argument, when you have issues that create bumps in the relationship, you go past them pretty quickly and you get back to a positive place because you filled your mind with positive things about that other person. It becomes an antidote to some of the difficulty. And it works with all kinds of things. You can be positive about their character. You can be positive about experiences you had. You can be positive about different traits that you see in them or skills. And as long as you're focused on that, as long as you're thinking about that, it grows a sense of fondness that you have with that other person. Now you can take that to the next level. As you start to focus on that and you think about that, if you start to share that with the other person, it starts to bind the relationship together. Now this, these two things together work. Identifying that people are really different when they're love and finding a way to express love to them the way they need it, and then finding some positive traits about somebody and making that your focus, these things create unity. They create unity in a relationship. They create a sense of oneness that you have with each other. I want to suggest that both of these are really effective in creating unity in the church. They're crossovers. If you're asking, look, I know this love is important inside the church. I know we have to do this. But how? I would suggest to you that the how is found in these two key ideas that we just found in marriage. Let me, um, let me remind you of what uh, Paul said about how diverse we are. We looked at this last week. I just want to reference it again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Verse 14, he says this, Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then remember, we found in verse 18 where he said, I put all of those there on purpose. They're not a mistake. Here's the idea. God put this diverse group of people together on purpose, which means what's sitting next to you 
in your home, at work, around, when we come together as a church, there will be people who see love differently. They have a different view of it. They have a different way to express it. And what happens in the church is because we don't understand that, it causes frictions and conflicts. Can I give you an example? This is, this is one I've seen at both churches that I've worked in. I've seen people leave both churches that I've been at over this issue. And it's because I think they don't understand the complexity of what's happening. So there will be people who are really gifted at social interaction. They're great at it. They invite people out for meals. They host parties at their home. They do all of this stuff because in their mind, they're not just great at getting people together. It's a form of love. And out of love, they're hosting these parties and they're doing fun things and all of this stuff is happening. And I don't know how many conversations I've had where they've sat down and said to me, Blair, we've done all of this stuff, but people aren't reciprocating they're not inviting us back to their homes. They're not planning parties. They're not doing all of these things. And I tried to help them understand that what's happening is that they are showing love the way they were designed by God to show love. But these other people, they, have, they see it differently. They don't have the same kind of gifts. They don't have the same kind of passion that you did. And if you could bring your gift, if you could bring your passion without holding them to being the equal party in this. You could do something great together. They would show love in a different way. And I've watched this. I've watched this in a lot of ways. I, I use the social aspect, but I've seen people talk about worship this way. People aren't worshiping like I'm worshiping. There must be something wrong with them. People aren't studying like I'm studying. There must be something wrong with them. People aren't. You know what people aren't? They aren't you. You're unique. You were given to the church by God on purpose. And you're different. And your difference is supposed to add value. But it doesn't work when you expect that everybody has to see it the way you see it. Love doesn't work that way. Your gifts are an act of love in the church. Theirs are a different act of love. And if we could give each other enough grace to understand that we're communicating love, just doing it differently. We're just on a different way of seeing that. Actually, things could get better for you because if you understood that they were communicating love, even though it wasn't the way that you would receive it, there could at least be some respect that they were trying. And when you start to understand this diversity that we're with, that people have different views of this, you can start to respond in gracious ways to show them love the way they need to have love. In some cases, that might mean that you're not the party person, but you know that somebody values that, and so you host one. And you don't do it all the time. You don't do it as often as they do it. But you wanted to communicate love. And so you figure out what's happening with the different people that you're connected with. And as a church, we start to value the different levels of love, the different ways of communicating that, and we come together around that issue. Now, I think the second thing works just as powerful, too. We have to understand that we're all loving differently. We're communicating that differently. Where It's not the same, so we got to get on that. we got to get on understanding how to, to figure that out with each other. 
But I think, if, um, I think the fondness works the same way too. In fact, I would say it this directly. If you want to kill unity in a church, the fastest way you can do that is to find every negative thing that you can about that organization or that group of people that you're with and think about that. Just keep that in your mind. Just see everything that they do is wrong. And I'll tell you what, I I don't know about other churches, but at Waypoint, you're going to find a lot of things that we don't do well, that we mess up, that we've made mistakes on. And you could give your whole time to those things. In fact, I've watched relationships disintegrate because the one thing you see in that other person is that negative thing. And they did something wrong. I'm not going to disagree with that. But, But our practice... Our desire to put love into our organization, into our lives, into our community, supersedes all of this. And so we find fondness. We find something about each other that's good. I want you to see what Paul said about this in Ephesians chapter 4. He is setting the stage for how important community is for for us how this unity, how this sense of oneness is. And then he says this. I want you to see this. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. From him, Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Do you see that? What God's hoping to accomplish is to us to do something that binds us together, that grows and builds love. If you want to grow and build love, it means that you're going to have to start finding a way to focus on the things that are great about that person instead of the negative. You're going to have to try and find things that are good that's going on that you give your sense of energy to. Because when you do that, you'll run into times where there's difficulty but that doesn't become the definition of that whole organization. It doesn't become the definition of the relationship that you have with that person. It doesn't become the definition of the group that you're with. It's just this moment that was difficult, but you've stored up all these other positive things about them that it doesn't cripple you. This is what love does. And I'm telling you right now, if we want to be a church... A group of people who comes together to accomplish something bigger together than we could do alone, we're going to need love. Which means we're going to have to find a way to understand each other's differences and to accept those. We're going to have to find a way to identify the good, the valued stuff in each one of our lives and to focus on those. This is, um, this is becoming critical in my opinion. I, I, get, I get a little hesitant to say what I'm about to say because I don't know that I'm smart enough to make this call. But I'm just, I'm just kind of reading um, what's happening on in our culture uh, when it comes to this love and the sense of connection that people have with each other. And it feels like we're at a tipping point. We're at a tipping point where we have never been so connected in our lives with the devices and the tools that we have. Never been more connected. And yet we've never been more disconnected as people. People are unable to have conversations face to face. These things are starting to splinter. And the outcomes that we're seeing are 
just incredible. The rates of disconnection among a highly connected society is disturbing. I think one of the things that just made me scratch my head this last week is all of these things were being canceled. There was an article on my screen of something that was canceled that I was like, what are you talking about? So I clicked on it. I had to click on it. What was this about? And they said they were canceling cuddle parties. And they had a picture. I'm going to put this up there. Yeah. These are strangers who don't know each other, who show up at appointed times where they can cuddle with somebody that they don't know. Now, I don't know about you, but I see something like that, and I kind of throw up in my mouth just a little bit, right? Don't, I love you, but don't touch me. Like, that's out of bounds, and that's weird. That's where we're heading in our culture right now, that people feel like there's not a sense of love, there's not a sense of community, and they are struggling and reaching out to find that wherever they can, even if it means going and laying with a stranger for a while, they'll do it. Listen, we have an incredible gift to offer. Our unity can only happen in the sense that we love each other. And our love shows up by the fact that we understand that we're different and we accept. We're going to work hard at understanding our differences and we're going to communicate love. We're not going to expect everybody to do it our way, to see it our way. It's going to take some difficulty. It's going to take some hard work because some of you have some negative impressions of different people at Waypoint and you're going to have to make a choice that you're going to find something positive about them and you're going to fill your mind with that. And in so doing, it brings about a sense of unity that God can hold up to a world that is starving for it. And we can become a light in a dark place. This is who we are. This is who we must be. And to accept anything less than that is short of what God has for us as a church. So I hope you'll commit with me to find ways to work at love. And if we worked at love, there's no telling what we could accomplish in our world together. Can I pray with you? God, I think this is dear to your heart, this whole conversation. I think it's weird that we're having it with an empty building. But I trust you. I know you understand and know things more than I do. And I just ask that the Holy Spirit would move through our community, that in some cases there would be some comforting, that people are making the right choices, they're starting to give their gifts without demand that other people have to give it the same way. They're starting to love in a really dynamic way. But God, I ask the Spirit would convict too. I ask that you would convict that we would find positive things to look at somebody else and decide to store that in our hearts instead of the negative stuff. And in so doing, we could build unity, a oneness that our world needs. God, I ask that you would open the doors for us to make wise choices about how we will love and how we will be loved. May we love like you love the church. May we love like we love ourselves. 
May you use that kind of love to change our world. In Jesus' name, amen.
praying the fine and watch it turn. Jesus, my life, I give it all to you. I won't let the storm weather my heart. Won't let this darkness beat me down. Sing in the night my hope alive in you. I'll walk through this fire and not be burned. Pray in the fight and watch it turn. Jesus, my life, I give it all to you. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us as we punt this week. Um, yeah, it's a little different, uh, but I hope, I hope you, you listened to what Blair said. I hope that connected with you, and I hope you had a unique experience with your family at home. Uh, or maybe you're just sitting there watching it by yourself, that, but that's great, too. I hope you had a unique experience with God through that. Um, and I just want to echo what Blair said. Can I challenge you this week to, in the midst of the election stuff that's going on that you're not hearing much positive about, in the midst of this pandemic that there's not much positive going on, whatever's going on with your family or your friends, can I just encourage you and challenge you to just for this one week stay positive and catch yourself in those negative thoughts and, and turn them around and make it positive um, and learn, learn to love the way God did, does for us, the way that Jesus loved us. Um, yeah, and, and just pay attention to that and see what happens this week as you do that. See what happens to your mood. See, see what happens to your relationships because um, I promise it'll make a difference. So thanks for joining us again. Uh, we'll, we'll see you back here same time next week. Same, same way, same form. It's going to be a little different again, but we love it, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to navigating these waters with you. Have a good week.